This week's episode is brought to us by our Explorer of the Week, Dee Nandwani. Now, thanks to Dee being one of our Patreon members at Explorer of the Week and above, uh, we are able to talk about this week's subject, which is the Terry Lovelace event. Now, back in June 1977, Terry Lovelace, who was then an EMT with the United States Air Force, was camping with a friend, Toby, when he had a bizarre UFO encounter that involved abduction and later on, it seems, alien implants as well. So you can join myself and Neil here on Aliens Explored as we discuss the Terry Lovelace event and if you too want to be an explorer of the week, just like Dean Andwani is this week, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and pick it here at Explorer of the Week and above. But thanks again to Dee Nandwani, this week's Explorer of the Week. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello listeners and welcome to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at the mysterious skies and all the cover-ups associated with it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. <laughs> and uh, I'm your other host, Stu Jackson. Lots of cover-ups happening Lots of cover-ups, yeah. Indeed, indeed. How are you keeping, Neil? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, and you? Good, good. Yeah, keeping I'm... Keeping well? I am. I'm actually... Um, I'm, I've been feeling quite positive lately. So um, I've had a bit of a shit year this year. I know hmm. um, you, you know about this, Neil. Um, I know yes. I, I think our, our listeners do as well. Yeah, some of our regular listeners have probably sort of picked up hmm. on it. I, I try to be as positive and upbeat as, as I can be hmm. for, for these recordings. But um, and it, certainly I enjoy them, which is really helpful. Hmm. But, yeah, I have, I've had been a bit down this year um but i've uh no this last these last few days i've been rather more positive and yeah more upbeat and optimistic and fired up and yeah oh what what's what's brought this on is it just a change in the weather or is it uh, something more profound i think it's a it's it it's a combination of three things. So I've been I have been getting out more, doing more walks. So I've been getting mm. more sunshine, which I know does have a massive impact on that. Um, I've been 
Um, I've, I've booked myself in for some speed dating. <laughs> so Yay! I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> back, in, back in the saddle again. Well, and on top of that, I also have uh, uh, a couple of dates lined up. Um, one with a, a lady I've known uh, I'm not going to name names, but I've known her for some years, and it's always mm. been one of those when I was single, she wasn't, and when she was single, I wasn't, and you know, we've always got on really well as friends, and uh, we've, mm. got a, yeah, we've got a, a nice date planned quite soon, so I'm looking oh, forward and, to and, that. And, and, and she's aware that this is a date. I think yeah, so. Just, not I think just friends, so. it's... Yeah, I, I always think that's really risky, Um trying to if you've had a long-standing friendship with someone and just suddenly well let's change this to something else well i'm not going to go like a bullet gate (laughs) so um but you're going to be be wearing a nice aftershave i will be i will be making an effort definitely But, uh, but I mean, look, the worst that will happen is we go out, you know, as friends, have a nice meal, and it'll be a lovely evening because she's a lovely person. So that's the worst case. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but as to whether or not she notices it, I mean, I'm saying it's a date. It's, yeah, it's sort of, I think, hmm, I think maybe we're both seeing how things go. Well, that's a that's a, a good good place Absolutely. to come from, isn't it? Yeah, and the and the third thing that's changed recently is a couple of weeks ago I started back in therapy, and that's been really helpful. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, great. back in counselling. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling much more positive about myself, about my future, about my place in the world. Yeah. It's all good. So thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about, is it? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> you just led us off topic again. Now this, this week we're, we're talking about the um, the Terry Lovelace event of June nineteen seventy seven. That's yes. today's topic. Now that's now this is a really interesting one. This only came to light a, a few years ago. Um, mm. Because um, poor old Terry, he'd uh, he'd sat on this and remained silent about it for a good forty years. Mm. Uh, because, well, because of fear of ridicule, because uh, fear of losing his very prestigious job. Um, so Terry Lovelace is a retired assistant attorney general. Uh, um, the United he, he was also States in the Air, of America. He was also in the Air Force, wasn't he? He was um, EMT, he was. Um, a medic in the Air Force. He was, um, and he and he was in the Air Force when this occurred. Although he wasn't working at the time, he was uh, off camping with a friend. Um, hmm. But yeah, but but as a so, so to become an assistant attorney general, you know, you've got to be a grounded person. You've got to be have yet, you know, good head on your shoulders. Be, you know, reliable and seem to think. be reliable. Yes. Well, you've got to be trusted, haven't you? So while I don't, while I'm always saddened when people do keep their stories private and secret. I can also understand it. 
Given what we've seen happen to some people who haven't kept their stories private and secret, um, you know, yes. they, they really wish they had. Exactly. So yeah, so he, yeah, he could see what what happened to other people. And given that this this um, what was it called the um, the the incident at Devil's Den. Yes, so that's that's an area of uh, North Arkansas. I, I always want to say Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. Like, yeah. We say Kansas. Kansas and Arkansas. Arkansas. Ar- yeah. <laughs> Spelt the same. Anyway, um, yeah, Devil's Den is, is an area of um, North Arkansas. Mm. Um, yeah, and he was out uh, camping with his friend Toby. Uh, not the same Toby who we who is our uh, friend here on the show. <laughs> who was our Toby. explorer, our, ex, our last week's explorer of the week, not that yes. Toby. If you're listening, Toby, we don't mean you. And, unless you are actually friends with um, with Terry Lovelace. And, uh, let no, us we, know. We, we know to- Toby's not that old. Hmm. I mean, this was I was four years old when this event took place, and I'm hmm. much older than Toby. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they're camping. They see three strange bright lights mm-hmm. coming up over the horizon. Um, they see a UFO. Uh, and again, it's our friend, the black triangular UFO. Oh, that old, that old that UFO. One. Um, they describe it as being as wide as two city blocks. Mm. Now, I thought that, now obviously this is 1977 before America went to the football field standard of measurement uh, or refrigerator right. standard. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, did, did, did that standard <laughs> come from the film, from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Because that was made in 77, wasn't it? Uh no, it's more recent. It's like in the media they'll say, "Ah, such and such is as big as three football stadiums," or you know, okay. rather than just say it's so many meters or even mm. so many feet, they'll say it's as big as this it, thing. It's nice. It's nice to compare it to something relatable. If you just say it's this many thousands of meters, it's it's hard to picture in your head. If you say a football field or two, three football fields, people can. Imagine that better, I think. But when they admit how many feet or meters it is, I'm not getting into the whole which is better, metric or imperial. Hmm. Um, Imperialism's hmm. no good for anyone, though. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, he's, he describes it as uh, wide as two city blocks, so it's a big old thing. Um, mm-hmm. Even because blocks can be different sizes, but even a small one that's going to be pretty big. Um, these lights shine on them. They get the sense that they're being scanned. Um, the lights shut off, and suddenly they feel very sleepy. Mm-hmm. Next thing Terry knows is waking up. His mate Toby sticks his head out the uh, tent. They see, well, um, certainly Terry sees um, some small people uh, in a meadow below them, about a dozen of them, and says to Toby, what are those kids doing there? Hmm. And Toby says, don't you remember? They're not kids. They took us and they hurt us. And on Toby saying that, 
Terry gets these flashbacks, these sudden flashes of images of being hmm. taken aboard this craft. And, uh, yeah, uh, years later, he's, he undergoes hypnosis. I know your opinions on hypnosis, uh, hmm. which I'm just, no doubt you're going to remind us of. <laughs> yeah, re- re- recovered memories, yes. Yes, um, but he, he recovers memories under hypnosis. Uh, and, yes, he was taken and aboard this craft by these these aliens, these diminutive aliens, um, and experimented on, basically. So you've got lost time phenomenon, you've got um, memory loss, mm-hmm. you've got uh, alien abduction. Mm. Well, lovely. It's quite a story. He, he said he never intended to tell that story. Or write a book about it. He has written a book called Incident at Devil's Den, a true yep. story by Terry Lovelace Esquire, compelling proof of alien visitation. Um, apparently, he took up jogging in 2012, and uh, even though he hated being in wide open exposed spaces, um, but every time he got to the two mile mark, that's about three kilometers for a European listeners, <laughs> um, a place just above his knee would go numb. And so, so he had it looked into, and medical tests revealed an unexplained piece of metal the size of a fingernail implanted in his leg. Um, but there was no scar. He'd never he'd never been in active combat. There couldn't have been shrapnel. No memory of ever being injured. Um, suddenly they found this little bit of metal right at the place where he would go numb. So, so interesting. Alien implants. That's because yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Alien implants, of course, it is what else could it be? <laughs> well, to be fair, so I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna play devil's advocate on this one a little bit. Okay. Um, with where you say there's no scar tissue, I've had cuts, um, I've had incisions, um, and there's no scar tissue where they've happened. So it is possible but, to have something but, enter your body and there be no scar. Well, not not a permanent lasting scar, but there would have been some kind of mark for a while, wouldn't there? Yeah, for a period of time, but um you maybe, know, maybe a stitch or two, you know that <laughs> I always remember the story of a friend of mine, um I'm going back quite a few years now. He he was a metal worker and mm. um he was getting an like he it, it, it was having problems with his thumb. It was like a pain that mm. he couldn't really work out why it was hurting, but, you know, there was a pain nonetheless. And he had his thumb x-rayed, and there was a large um, splinter of metal right up quite close to the bone under his skin. Mm. Now, obviously, this had happened... Um, when you know he'd been working with metal and a yeah, metal fragment had sort of stabbed him, and yeah, he probably got a cut and didn't think anything of it. It healed mm. over, no scar left. He'd forgotten about it. Then years, months, years later, he's getting trouble from it, so he had to have it removed, obviously. But um, the the metal, not the thumb. Uh, mm. but, but yeah, so that can happen. It, it can. I mean, doesn't the body tend to reject things? I, mean, I was lifting a, an old wood pallet one time, and suddenly I got two splinters, one in the index finger of my 
Is this the index finger that I'm showing you? The yes, it is the first. Yeah, finger. the index finger, yes. the first finger, first finger of my left hand, and one in the first finger of my right hand. Two splinters simultaneously. Now the one in my my left hand, it was still protruding a bit, so I was able to get my teeth on it and pull it out. Mm-hmm. The one in, on the right finger had gone in too deep, and it was I didn't. Nothing happened for a week or two. And then my finger started swelling up and swelling up until I could no longer wrap a bit of floss around it and floss my teeth. But then I sort of gave it a squeeze and this thing came out like a, a missile out of its silo with a little bit of pus and blood and pop, it was it was out. Your body does you know, it does have a mechanism for um, ejecting foreign objects. It does. And, and I've heard of cases where, yeah, things have, have kind of slowly ridden to risen to the surface of the skin over time but i mm. think if it goes deep enough it depends what layer of skin because you, your epidermis mm. your skin's made up of lots of different layers isn't it yeah and i think it depends how far in it goes if it goes deep enough it won't that won't happen and and it can move around can't it apparently so yeah yeah it can move yeah. so it, it could have moved somewhere from the original point of entry i mean i don't think it might move a- far no, oh, I don't know. I think they can move quite some distance. When it's you not- hear stories of people, you know, you've got a bullet which we can't, a, a bullet lodged in your head which you can't move, and it's it's moving through your brain, and you're gradually going to lose function. And that, that's a, a classic scenario from action movies, isn't it? And, but you're not going to. It's not going to move from your arm to your ankle. Is what I'm saying. It might move from one part of your leg to another part of your leg, but yeah. I don't know how far I can move. A friend of mine, when he was young, was in a road accident and went through a windscreen, a rear windscreen. He was in the back of the car. And um, to this day, you know, 40 years later, occasionally he'll get a spot, like, like a, you know acne, and he'll squeeze it and there'll be a little bit of pus and then a little, a little splinter of glass will come out. Mm. He's still got this glass in his face from years and years and years ago. Mm. Just goes to show. So yeah, so mm. that kind of could be a potential answer with with finding this metal in his knee. But and it was fairly sizable, wasn't it? It said the size of a fingernail. That is a so big old so piece. A fingernail, not not a fingernail clipping, but a fingernail. I mean, I'd be interested to know if he's ever had the metal examined, or you know, mm. had any metallurgical analysis done on it, or anything like that. Um, there, there was no detail about that, was there? No, no. And uh, here's the thing where I, I I struggle a little bit with the story. When someone wants to sell a book, they give mm. you teasers. Like they'll say, oh, yes, there's this metal in my knee. Mm. And then, mm. of course, you have to buy the book to find out, well, what did he do with the metal? Does he still have it? What was it made of? Did he have it analysed? Hmm. Um, so maybe you know I don't know, but then I suppose an you, astute businessman would do that anyway, whether the story you, but, is true or not. But you you would you would think that if a, if a medic had removed a, a a foreign body from someone, they'd want to think would think, well, what is this and where has it come from? I don't recognise it as being any kind of. You know, I can't say, oh, well, that's that's this, that, or whatever. It looks like I can't explain what this is. Um, let's stick it under a microscope and see what it's made of. Well, it's not I think it's not uncommon for people to have these things. I mean, you've just mentioned, you know, yourself, you had the 
case of the splinter, mm. the wood splinter, uh, but your friend who has glass, you know, periodically mm. erupting out of his face. Um, it's not uncommon for people to have splinters like that. So, mm. I don't know, uh, a doctor removing it, like a local GP, no, just because, oh, like, yeah, you had a bit of metal splinter. Hmm. You know, well, I don't know where it came from. Well, these things just happen, you know. Yeah, now Terry Lovelace has been diagnosed with PTSD twice in recent years, hmm. um, even though he never saw combat. But actually there's there's been quite a lot of new research. As a military veteran, I've been, you know, interested in following it. New research that pretty much says that, that PTSD can start in military basic training that um, soldiers who have never seen combat as Terry Lovelace hadn't can still the, the, the process of developing PTSD starts in basic training during the process of um, conditioning you to, to from transforming you from a civilian to a soldier brainwashing you mean um, it's more than that. It's, um, I mean, obviously in basic training, you'll learn how to you know, put the uniform on and work all the equipment, you know, fire a gun, fire, fire your weapon, clean it, maintain it, all that's sort of basic tactics. But it's all part of a, a more fundamental conditioning. For instance, if you were suddenly surprised, if someone, if you went into your bedroom and someone suddenly, a naked man suddenly jumped out of the cupboard wearing a, a leather mask and carrying a knife, what would your reaction be? I so the I, I have no experience directly yeah. like that. The closest experience I I have to that, hmm. this is making me laugh thinking about it, um, was back when I used to live in Swindon. I at one point I had nine cats, hmm. and I got home one day and I heard a cat moving about under the stairs, and that wasn't hmm. an uncommon thing. And I had a look, and there was this great big moggy, um, the, mm. this big bruiser of a cat. It was not one of my cats. Mm. Uh, this big furry thing with like scar over one eye and tan ears, mm. and like you know, it was clearly a, like a male uh, strike, a real fighter. Yeah, and my immediate, I was I was shocked because I was expecting to see one of mine. There's this cat, and I remember saying out loud, "Who are you?" Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, which that, was that's a shock response. It, it was a yeah. shock response, and I imagine—I can only imagine—but if a naked man jumped out, it would get a similar sort of response. It'd be a shock yeah. and a yeah. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Um, and people, you know, civilians will react in that way. They're, who are you? They might freeze because suddenly the, the 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 situation that you thought was a safe situation has suddenly instantly changed into a situation that really isn't safe. Mm -hmm. It could be an information overload. You just freeze or you scream, which is actually a, a good reaction. You're actually sounding an alarm. And if there's someone yeah. nearby, um, they could come to your aid or, or you could frighten off the potential attacker or you run away and save yourself. Now, those reactions are no good in the military. If you're moving through enemy territory 
and you've got to be quiet, you know, you're moving a small group through enemy territory, and suddenly an enemy soldier pops up in front of you, who's perhaps not where he's supposed to be, um, maybe he left his post to go for a pee or something like that, but you know, whatever, suddenly pops up in front of you. Well, if you freeze, he'll shoot you in the face. If you run away, he'll shoot you in the back. If you scream, that sounds an alarm that will bring all his friends down on top of you. So those reactions aren't any good. What the military needs you to do is to be someone who, on instinct, without even thinking about how big is this guy, how tough does he look, you will attack. You will go straight for the throat, for the eyes, for the genitals. You will attack and kill. That will be your instant reaction. And that is why there are so many ex-service people in our prisons, many yes. of whom have been di- diagnosed with PTSD, but you know they've because they've reacted and they've killed someone. And although there is this process, basic training for transforming civilians into soldiers who will react in this way that really isn't appropriate off the battlefield, there's no process for changing them back. They're no. just released into civilian life. So I can imagine that any as a, as a serviceman myself, I can understand how someone who's never even been in com- combat could still have PTSD as mm. a result of his military experiences. I mean, and or let's her not military forget, experience. PTSD is not the sole domain of the military. I have PTSD, and I've hmm. never served in the military. Um, but I had a traumatic event. So. You had a traumatic event, yeah. Um, in in the military, it's yeah. I think a lot of people with PTSD they can they can uh, relate back to a traumatic event um, when they say, well, yeah, it all happened because of this. And a lot of soldiers would come back from Iraq, Afghanistan, and say, well, yeah, I saw my mate get blown up and I've had PTSD ever since. But what new research is suggesting is that actually, mate, you were well down that road already mm. before you had this traumatic event. Well, the and, and to be fair, I, I didn't use the phrase brainwashed. <laughs> I didn't use that mm, lightly yeah. um, because... Do you know what the difference between conditioning and brainwashing is? Um, no. Nobody does. That's the point. It's a exact same thing. Um, okay. So, yeah. Um, but let's call it conditioning because that's the more mm. friendly term. Um, yeah. Brain, yeah. Brain, brainwashing is a bit of a loaded term, isn't it? It, it, it is, <laughs> to be mm. fair. Um, but, yeah, it it's... It is a traumatic event, and it will always mm. be a traumatic event. And they traumatize you to break you down, so that they can yeah. rebuild you. You know, and and it's how it's how cults operate as well. Yeah, they. You know, oh, what a lot of cults do is they will take people who've already had the traumatic event mm. and uh, recondition them, but uh, um, yeah, and and cure them. And yeah, but I guess that's, that's how the military works. We will traumatize you. We will, we will totally denigrate your 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 the, the self that you brought yeah. you brought to us, and we will rebuild. We'll give you a new strip a new you of your humanity. Yeah, we'll I, I don't a have a very positive view of them. I, I no. fully appreciate the need for a military, and I very much appreciate those men and women who serve. However, the techniques and the systems. Yeah, particularly, and and yeah, it's something I think we've talked about it previously. The whole, you know, when the military is done with a person, they just dump them out. They yeah. don't give them any reconditioning, no preparation for civilian. In fact, I mean, well, I know the UK military, having spoken with um, many ex-soldiers, they they train soldiers, and, and perhaps you'll back this up. 
perhaps you won't, I don't know. Um, mm. But they, they train soldiers to hate civilians. Yeah. yeah. And then and dump them out base. and make them a civilian. Well, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to be full of self-hate, self-loathing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. I remember during basic training, one of the, the, the derogatory terms the drill instructors would, would hit you with if you say you're a bloody civvy. Hmm. Yeah, the civilian. What, what are you doing here? You're not a soldier. You're a civilian. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's brainwashing you to hate civilians. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Even though that's that's who you're here to defend. You're, yeah. Queen and country, mate. Sup- Queen and country, su- isn't supposedly, it? Supposedly, yeah. <laughs> I'm fighting for my mates. Well, anyway, um, uh, the, the the US Marine Corps say it's core, God, and country in that order. Right. Okay. Uh, ulti- yeah, first, first and foremost, they are defending the U.S. Marine Corps, then Ma- God, and then it makes the United me wonder States. how the atheists get on. But anyway, that's <laughs> totally beside the point. We have gotten way off track here, so let's. Um, uh, I think we've we've pretty much covered the events uh, of Terry mm. Lovelace uh, or the personal yeah. events of this. So let's let's summarize. So, what do you think? Is he? Really simple question today, Neil. Is he telling the truth? Um, I I believe that he's. Uh, I think he's given a more truthful account than uh, the guy we talked about last week, George Adamski, <laughs> yes. who is who is quite a quite a, an obvious huckster. Um, Lovelace is someone who, I mean. I'm always suspicious. The fact that this happened around the same time as as um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. Um, quite often, when people you know, when people say, "Oh, yeah, this happened to me 40 years ago," but I didn't want to say anything about it because I didn't want to be ridiculed and whatever. But actually, it could be that. Oh, actually, I've, I've only just thought of this story, and I'm just going to say it happened 40 years ago. No, but, but to, uh, I'll, I'll address that specifically, though. Um, mm. These events are happening all the time. And we, we have talked on this show many times about lots of different events in lots of different periods of history in the 1930s, mm. the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s, mm. as well as the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Um, and so on and so forth. So if you didn't have any events around closing, that would look really odd because that would be a complete absence of events where you'd have a sudden dip in events. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have these events, but it's it's the timing of, of Terry Lovelace's events. It's also the the lack of detail. I mean, this this piece of metal that was removed from his leg doesn't seem to have been analysed. There's no... There's no why, why didn't he take a picture of it? You know, 2012, he probably had a camera in his phone. Maybe. Um, maybe he did. Maybe the photos were in his book. I couldn't say for certain. Um, <laughs> did he... I mean, was he able to keep it? Um... Sometimes yeah, you, you have things a, removed. And a, I, I always remember like back in the day, like when my mother had her appendix removed, she was able to mm. bring it home. I mean in a quiet. jar. Yeah, 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 in a little well, in a little sort of file. Yeah. Mm. Now why you'd want to do that, I don't know, but um they don't do that anymore now. Things mm. that are removed get uh, incinerated with medical waste. So maybe he mm. wasn't he didn't have access to the thing that was removed and it was just described to him afterwards. I'm speculating. 
purely yeah, speculate. Yeah, I said, we can only speculate because, um, because uh, yeah, because we've got a lack of information. I mean, he talks about these little people. Um, he also claimed that when he was about eight years old, he started seeing little monkey-like people in his bedroom at night, which is a, um, that's a kind of Streber kind of story, isn't Heading it? Heading that way, isn't it? Um, yeah. But then a lot of abductees will report sort of recurring mm. Um, yeah. experiences. Yeah. Um, so, would I be right in thinking it, you you think he believes what he's saying, but your personal jury's out? Or I'm I'm saying my personal jury's out. I, I would like I would like more information. I think. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's he's telling this story. He's written a book about a story that he didn't even want to tell until. I mean, the um the bit of metal being removed from his leg seems to have been the the catalyst for him coming out and telling all this st- stuff and and writing a book. So that, that I want to know about metal. I think that and retire, but yeah, I guess that and retiring. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's hit the point. He's retired. He can't now lose his job through saying these things. And yes, there's this thing that kind of brings it to the forefront of his mind. Absolutely, I can, I can see that. Yeah. I can see um, that. Uh, <laughs> he said that although he'd always suffered from nightmares and hated being in wide open, exposed places, well, he, he must have been great fun with his buddies when he was in the military, wasn't he? <laughs> waking up screaming in the middle of the night or mm. Mm, yeah well I mean uh, I I have not regular nightmares but uh, I do have nightmares nobody's ever mm. said anything about me screaming in the night though uh, my wife has said things about me screaming in the night I do get n- night terrors occasionally right right no I just usually I wake up in a panic but, mm. but yeah I might toss and turn a bit well, anyway, uh, summarising then, um, I mean, I this probably won't surprise you. I take him at his word on this. Um, okay. I think there's definitely an, an incident. But like you, I want to, uh, I'd like to know more about this, this metal object that was removed from him. Um, I'd like to see it examined. But I, I can't think of any reason not to... Yeah, not not to accept what he's saying. But what do you think, mm. listeners? Uh, was Terry Lovelace making it up maybe to sell a book uh, and make a bit of pocket money after he retired? Uh, maybe it's just a marketing ploy? Or do you, like me, think that he's... Uh, He's absolutely genuine in what he's saying. Do let us know via the usual means. Uh, you can email us, aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored. It occurs to me I ought to get this on tape and just... <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. 
I always say the same things. Um, but uh, yeah, what else? Oh, yes, if you are one of our Patreon members, uh, and you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and picking any tier. I mean, we've got some really lovely goodies up there, so have a look at what we've got at various tiers. But any tier will get you access to our exclusive Aliens Explored Discord server. So you can chat with us and like-minded people about this topic, about last week's topic, about any of the topics we discuss here, or anything else to do with UFOs for that matter. Um, So yeah, so have a look at that. But however you do it, let us know what you think. Because we love hearing from you, don't we, dear? We do. We we do. We can't get enough of it. Uh, join us next time when we'll be returning to a place we've been to a few times on this show already, the South Pole. But this mm-hmm. time we're going to be looking at cosmic rays that are emanating from it. Ooh. Cosmic rays from Antarctica. Yes. Very telling. <laughs> Very telling, so uh, you don't want to miss that one. In the meantime, keep watching out for strange beams of light coming from triangular black craft, and keep watching the skies in general. And uh, keep 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 a pinch of salt with you whenever anyone tells you about these things. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> Anyway, take care for now. We'll see you next time. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.